Free Trail fam, bonjour from Chamonix, France. Of course, I am your loving host, Dylan Bowman, here to celebrate the 20th anniversary of the Ultra Trail de Mont Blanc. It is officially UTMB week, and we are here to enjoy the spectacle and share our love for this amazing sport and this amazing event with you, the global trail running community, trail fans worldwide. This is a special time of year, and we are so happy to be here to enjoy it in person. We're going to be doing a daily show each morning recording in the heart of Chamonix covering all the major stories of this year's race. It is a special week-long series we're calling Good Morning Mont Blanc, which you're listening to now. Each day we'll have a star-studded group of rotating co-hosts to share their expert perspectives about the fields, the conditions, the races, and the results as they happen throughout the week. We're also going to be doing a ton of pre- and post-race interviews with some of the main contenders and the top performers. So make sure you're subscribed here or to our YouTube channel so you don't miss a single second of our coverage. We are grateful for your support. We really hope you'll follow along and share it with your friends. Finally, thank you to Hoka and Camelback for making the shows possible this week. Make sure you play fantasy, fantasy fantasy.freetrail.com for a chance to win prize packages from these awesome brands. Thank you all so much for listening. Have an amazing UTMB week. We are live. Good morning, Mont Blanc. <laughs> nice to see everybody here. It is now Friday, September 1st. It's officially UTMB day. CCC has just started. I have the live stream going on my computer on mute, so we'll be talking about that throughout today's broadcast. Good morning to each and every one of you. MK Sullivan, Danny Moreno, Francesco Pupi, three OCC runners from yesterday, so we're going to do a deep dive on the various race reports, the good, the bad, and the ugly. We have <laughs> triumph and defeat uh, on the panel here today, and that is the nature of life, and that's the nature of sport, isn't it? So it is. uh, really excited to chat with each of you and really appreciate you coming in. We'll, we'll talk about CCC as it evolves throughout the broadcast this morning, and we'll look ahead to the big race tonight, UTMB. Yeah. Um, maybe quickly first, just say a quick hello MK. Hi, Free Trail. Yeah. How you doing? <laughs> How <laughs> are you all. feeling this morning? You get any sleep last night? Uh, I slept a lot last night. I'm exhausted from my 20-mile hike that I did out there. And, um, yeah. <laughs> but I'm feeling better today. Yeah. Now you get to do an ultra marathon of podcasting, so. That's okay. I love to talk, so. Yeah. Danny, how'd you sleep last night? Slept pretty good. I also got out a little late. There's a place called Pocoloco, and it was popping last night and took a very long time to get burgers and fries. <laughs> I know that place. I know that place. It's always busy. Yeah. yeah. But, um, yeah, it also was just fun. We had a lot of team success last or yesterday, um, yeah. so, you know, we celebrated who we could and prepped those who are going off to battle today and tomorrow. Right. Yeah, we'll talk That's about that. Today. Francesco, good morning. Good morning. A resident podium finisher from yesterday. You, <laughs> you. <laughs> Yeah, um, <laughs> feeling very racked to be honest. Uh, didn't get a whole lot of sleep, but I was expecting it. Uh, but it was totally worth. Yeah, it was a battle all the way to the finish line. I can't wait to all the way. <laughs> hear all about it. We'll get to that in just a second. Before we do so, I was also out late last night, thanks to our great sponsors, Hoka. So we were at the Hoka party last night, and of course, need to start our broadcast today thanking those who are making our coverage possible here at UTMB this year. 
of course, Hoka and Camelback have been our partners throughout race week. Hoka, of course, the great premier sponsor of the UTMB World Series and of UTMB Mont Blanc. Big thank you to Hoka for their support and for the raucous rip rage and party last night. Ryan and I both woke up a little bit banged up, but you know, it's UTMB day. You, you play injured sometimes, as they say. Camelback. Also, we had a Camelback event last night, too. Best so. day of the year. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, big thanks to Camelback also. Um, so, yeah, thanks to the sponsors who are making this possible. So, all right, let's get, like, brief race reports from each of you here. Maybe, MK, we can start with you. You said it was a 20-mile hike yesterday. What were your expectations coming in, and how did things play out? Like, at what point did you realize it, it wasn't going to be a special day? Yeah, I mean, I came into this race really wanting to be on the podium. I felt fit enough to do that. I felt confident enough to do it. Even the morning of the race, I felt like pretty good, was warming up fine. I got out really well. Um, I actually went out maybe a little too hard in the first mile, but like brought it back pretty quickly when I realized that like we were in sight of the front men, like very in sight of them. And so I backed off a little bit um, and was like maybe in fifth or sixth place for a while. Um, but by the time I got to Champagne-Lac, uh, things were not feeling great. Um, but I just kind of kept telling myself, like, this kind of happened to me at Worlds where I didn't get out in a position that I wanted to. And I felt kind of like, I don't know, maybe flat. But as the race went on, I, like, started to warm up. And then I, you know, passed, like, a ton of people at the end. And so I just kept telling myself, like, just keep eating. Just keep moving. Like, we'll we'll get through this. The second half will be better. You've seen the second half of the race. And it was like every mile just got worse and worse and worse. And then I think at Triant, we had only gained like maybe four or 5,000 feet of the almost 11.5 for yeah. the day. And I was like, yeah, I physically can't do this another, like again. Yeah. <laughs> and so I was hiking up to Col de Bomb, like again, still just trying to be like, maybe I can salvage this. Like yeah. as women are just like rolling past me, like, is everything okay? And I'm like, uh, I'm fine. It's a great job, you know, or whatever. And I actually eventually texted my coach like halfway up and I was just like, so at what point is it reasonable to just like stop instead of finish? (laughs) And he was awake um, watching, of course. And he was like, well, if you're just going to like jog in and you're not going to race, like maybe don't do it. And I was like, "Mm, great. I'm actually walking. So (laughs) I'm going to stop. We're texting right now. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. As I'm like crying, but um, it was, uh, it was definitely a journey out there. Like by the time I got to Triant, I was already in tears because so many people were like cheering for me and saying my name. And I was like, I can barely run on this flat portion of road. Um, and so then by the time I got to cold, a bomb and I knew I was going to stop like probably a mile out. So I was just walking in and I saw this guy that I had met on the bus here, um, from Geneva. And he was just like, great job, MK, you're doing awesome. And I just started like bawling my eyes out and he was like, Oh my God, what? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, he like walked me up to the, um, aid station and it's just like such a weird feeling to get to an aid station and be like done. And the medical team is like, what do you need? And I'm like, I don't know, I guess just to stop, like nothing's broken. I just like can't move. And so um, unfortunate, but kind of fortunate at the same time. After I'd cried for a little bit, I turned around and saw Jen Lichter and she yeah. had just dropped out like five minutes before me. Mm-hmm. And so we took the tram down together, cried, had a pity party, uh, talked about how shitty we both felt about ourselves. And then it was like, it's okay. Everybody still loves us. 
Nobody is like upset with us. We're upset with us. You guys are both coming off top tens at Worlds. I know, too, so, I know. It know. was definitely uh, not the day that I wanted, but I am like actually proud of myself for stopping because I think if I hadn't texted my coach, I was very ready to just like walk the 12 miles yeah. to Chamonix. And I think that would have been a really poor decision. Yeah. So sometimes it's a good decision. Sometimes it's a bad decision to yeah. hike it in. And I feel, I still feel good about the decision that I made today. And uh, I mean, good. I don't feel good about the race, but I'm we glad I did what you it. Mean. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, thanks so much for coming in and, and chatting about it. Honestly, before we press record, you were saying that you had some sub hub fans out there giving yes. you good feedback on the podcast. Yeah. Too, that was so. the, the best part about That's uh, feeling bad. Itself. Maybe it's like, <laughs> as people were passing me, they were like, Oh my gosh, huge fan of the podcast. Yeah. And I'm like, you're doing great. Thank you. <laughs> uh, uh, Danny, I just you, wanted to see you guys for the pod. Yeah. Yeah. Doing interviews out here. <laughs> I Okay, so I did buy some mini mics, and I had joked about bringing them on the course so that we could, like, immediately at the finish line, like, interview somebody. <laughs> I should have brought them just to interview people as they were passing me. <laughs> hey, great job. How's it going how, for how you today? Yeah. Where are you from? Yeah. Well, how many kids you got? <laughs> awesome. Danny, let's let's move to you. Of course, your podium finisher here last yep. year. I, uh, Katie Asmith was here with us in yesterday's show, and she said that she had heard from you that you weren't feeling great leading into yeah. race week. So tell us what was going on there. It seems like the and the you know unfortunate result was not unexpected. Yeah. Um, so there's kind of like a couple of things at play yesterday. Um, one is I feel that. I'm such a student of the sport that I know weird stuff always happens during UTMB week. Mm -hmm. There's like weird bugs and stuff. And so I felt that I like did all my due diligence, traveling, eating, drinking bottled water, just mm -hmm. trying to eliminate everything. Um, and then also coming in, like I, I had all the confidence in myself that I could win or I could at least put myself in a position to win. Um, this race has been my baby all year. I've made my schedule around it. The training was all for OCC. When I pushed hard, I was thinking of different parts of the course. So, you know, it, it meant a lot. And especially coming off the podium last year, I was like, well, how do we do better? We, we go for the win. Yep. We, if it's the same course, we go for the course record and we just like see what I'm made of finally, yeah. like folk, like focus on one race. I've always been focused on a billion races. Um, so yeah, I, everything was going to plan and I knew my, my period was coming this week and I started to have some like weird stomach stuff on Sunday where I was like, Oh, it's probably just like period cramps. Mm -hmm. And then it like started getting weirder and weirder. And before I knew it, I was just like on the toilet, like 24 yeah. seven. And for three days, like nothing stayed in my system mm. and like as it was happening I was like it's okay just like electrolytes and water electrolytes and water we'll we'll mitigate this we'll mitigate this and it just like nothing was sticking and I just like I know like I know the science and stuff and I was trying to put that out of my head I'm like just hold on to hope it's okay mm. we'll, we'll figure it out and it wasn't until literally like lunch the day before that I could finally eat yeah. and so I just tried to eat as much as I could but I also know I didn't want to like overload my system again um so yeah I just race morning like put a smile on my face because my team had been so worried about me that I was like I don't even want them thinking about me just I'm fine I'm good yeah. we're gonna go we're gonna give this a go um and I'm like oh it went downhill so fast and like 
I, I was trying so hard for like five meters of movement and <laughs> I was walking on like within like the first mile. Really? Like I was, there was no energy. My legs were going numb. My arms were going numb. I already had taken in like 200 carbs in like 30 minutes and like no energy was coming out. So yeah, to say it was frustrating was, is probably an understatement. Mm-hmm. I just you know, to feel like a year's worth of work, but you know, you soon start to get grounded in, in how much bigger the event is than yourself and, and your own work. And like MK had people stopping me more. So they were like, are you, what are you doing back here? <laughs> and I'm like, I would joked with a couple people. I'm like, Oh, I'm a closer. Really, yeah, yeah. really putting it back this year. Just want to give them a chance, you know, they're playing, and, and they're yeah, like, they're playing right into like, my trap. Yeah, here. I was yeah. like, they're going to get each other tired. I'm, I'm back here in 80th. I'll catch up soon. Well, it's <laughs> and, brutal timing. It's brutal timing. And yeah. I certainly can relate. I'm sure probably all of us have had similar situations where you feel fit, you feel ready. You have big goals and expectations for yourself, especially coming after a podium last year on the world's biggest stage I'm sure you wanted to you know do that again if not improve and you know it's happened to me traveling all the way to South Africa to Hong Kong getting sick during race week it happened to your teammate Ruth Croft this week leading into UTMB so it's part of sport and we you know I feel bad for you that it happened here um but yeah you know I like MK, I like, I'm proud I tried. I, I thought of Ruth. Uh, yeah. We have a couple other teammates, Abby Hall, Holly Page, and right. I'm like, they don't even get to try. Like, I need to at least try yeah. and, and give it what I what I have, even if I know what probably is going to happen. And I have a lot of tricks in my bag, and I tried all of them and yeah. some. And, um, yeah, you know, and e- I think immediately as humans, you're like, oh, but everyone that came here to support me, yeah. everyone that believes in me. And then those people immediately, like, go back and they are hugging you they're kissing you and they're like we love you like it's okay and um yeah I'm proud I pulled out I kept saying body over pride body over pride because my body was (laughs) yeah Yeah, you'll bounce back you know and then you'll have this fitness to utilize later in the season maybe we'll talk about that later in the show training is never wasted yeah exactly Yeah. yeah Moving along to maybe <laughs> happier subjects here. Yeah. Our great podium finisher, Francesca Poopy, you nailed it yesterday, man. It was amazing. Give us the give us the highlights. It was a, a good day, um, but first I want to thank uh, MK and Danny for for sharing their story, even if things didn't go as they wanted, as they expected. Because um, I think it's very important to to be authentic and. Uh, it makes me feel so much better about my own struggles and failures because we all have failures and we're not just defined by our successes and victories. Um, so to me, this is very important. And um, I just, wanna, just wanted to say thanks for what they just said, what they shared. Um, as far as my race, uh, of course, I'm really happy. Um, and you know, I I didn't go in with any particular expectation um, for two main reasons. One is because uh, I was coming from a very disappointing finish at Cirzinal a couple of weeks ago. I thought I had trained really well for the ra- for that race because I had a very good uh, training block in altitude that was specific for Cirzinal. But uh, I just had a bad day, yeah. um, just like Danny and Just MK. like, exactly. Yeah. yeah. It happens. And, uh, you know, even before Cerezinal, I was kind of not expecting, but, you know, thinking that 
maybe my like second race after Cezina would go better because it takes time to process the training, especially after you know a high volume intensive training block. And uh, I don't know, maybe going into Cezina I wasn't properly rested or didn't have uh, enough time to taper. Um, so like after Cezina, I really. I, I try not to beat myself up too much, honestly. Um, I don't want my results to define my value as a person. Yeah. And it's something that I work really hard to to get better at. Um, so, yeah, I, like I'm proud of how, you, how I got over that race pretty quickly. I uh, spent a few days on vacation with my girlfriend. Uh, we rode our bikes a lot, so it was like very chill and uh, had a good recovery. And then um, I came here for the first time uh, at uh, UTMB after having been here for a few years just to, to watch the race. Mm -hmm. uh, I was excited to try my longest race ever, uh, CCC 56K, so a little longer than what I'm used to. Um, but as I mentioned, I wasn't expecting like any particular result. I was just, you know, looking forward to enjoying the experience and just be myself out there. Because if I, like, I, if I do what I, what I've trained for, if I do what I know I'm capable of, I know I can be among the best in the world. Like mm -hmm. a lot of times when I go, when I'm on the start line and I look around and I see a bunch of like really strong athletes and like a lot of them are a huge inspiration to me. I think, yeah, they're they're good, but I belong here because I've beat pretty much all these guys. You've been at on the podium at the uh, Worlds tw what twice? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So like in 2019, behind Jim Wamsley, and uh, last year behind Stian. Yep. Uh, yeah, Stian is beating me. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about Stian here. I want to get you guys to fill uh, us in. But yeah, he's such a good competitor. Yeah. Um, and uh, one last thing I wanted to mention uh, the other day at the Chamonix track, I met Molly Saddle, uh, which is one of my all time inspirations. Um, and uh, someone who is definitely made my relationship with running a better one. Yeah. You posted about this on yeah. your Instagram. So I like really tried to go with that mindset. Um, the full worked. send mindset? Yeah, full send, <laughs> but also like don't put pressure on yourself to perform because you just need to go out and do what you... Enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. what you got to do. Amazing. <laughs> so tell us about the dynamic because before we press record, I was just going through the results here and we were talking about how the battle between second and fourth was separated by only 50 seconds and you guys were only a couple minutes behind Steon who won. Yeah. And you mentioned that the guy was breathing down your neck, uh, sort of coming through the streets of Chamonix. Tell us how that evolved. Yeah. Yeah. That was pretty scary. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> you know, it, it, it wasn't, it wasn't always easy. And to be honest, uh, for example, until Trian, so about halfway through the race, I wasn't always feeling really good. Like, I wasn't sure it was going to end up being a good day. Um, and then I, at Trian, I kind of messed up my refreshment. 
so I lost some some time, and uh, the group I was running with um, pulled away from me. But as we hit the climb towards Call the Balm, I was able to make up some ground, and um, I managed to climb from ninth position until fifth place. And um, it was uh, it was uh, very very nice and uh, very useful for me to run the downhill to Argentière together with um, um, Je- Josh Jeshrin. Jeshrin. yeah, Small uh, and uh, Robbie Simpson from Adidas Terex. So we kind of, you know, switched back and forth and shared the, the trail for a little while. And uh, as we went through Argentière, I filled up my flask. Uh, we were all together. And as soon as we hit the climb, I just felt really strong. And I was able to get a gap immediately from um, Jarshun and uh, Robbie. And I started thinking, okay, maybe I can get closer to Stian and... Um, the Chinese athlete that was uh, still in front of me because at that time I was uh, in third place. Um, and I managed to catch him just maybe half a mile from uh, La Flagere, which is the top of the last climb. Mm-hmm. And um, he passed through the, the refreshment point and uh, I was asking for some water. They opened the, the tap and actually didn't, like the water didn't flow. <laughs> so I wasn't, wasn't able You're to like, get come any. On. I, I saw a, a few bottles on the table. So I like... I grabbed one and uh, I filled my flask, I closed it, uh, and then I ran away. And uh, as I was sipping, I realized it was like sparkling water. So it was like, oh, fuck. so refreshing. I, that has I happened can't to me. Until the finish. Yeah, that has happened That's to fun. me way too many times. It, like out here where I'm just, that happened like, to me yesterday. I filled my bottles with sparkling water and I was like, this is disgusting. See, if and when you guys ever graduate to like the 100 mile races, sparkling water from aid stations is delicious and you can drink oh, it. No. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, uh, maybe yeah. when you're when you're absolutely redlining at yeah. the front of us. Like my stomach was uh, was already like on the limit because yeah. of you know the caffeine gels and the yeah. struggle. <laughs> Tell us about working very what, hard. What you mentioned with the scaffolding near the finish line and the yeah. third place yeah. athlete. Yeah. So I I think I ran a good downhill. I'm not like the best downhiller out there, but. I can run pretty well, especially towards the end of a race. So I was running pretty fast. And, um, you know, going towards the final mile of the race, I thought my second place was almost secure. Um, but there is like a, a bridge um, that goes over a road like in the last kilometer before the finish. And as I was uh, running down the stairs of that bridge, I saw Antonio Martinez, who eventually came third, climbing up the stairs yeah. on the other side of the road. And I was like, oh, my gosh. So that's like, like a 10-second <laughs> gap yeah. for those who like, are Oh, my familiar. gosh. Yeah. Like, he's freaking catching me. Uh, what am I going to do? Like, <laughs> I, I don't know if I have the legs to, to pull it off. And... Um, I don't know, I just started running as hard as I could with the, the energies that I had left because, I, of course, I didn't want to give him a chance to... I didn't want to get to a sprint finish because you never know how it's going to end. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I was sprinting down the final kilometer uh, along the river. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it worked. Uh, people were yelling me, like, go full gas because... Um, <laughs> 
he was close. He was very yeah. close. I could definitely see him. Um, it's emblematic then, yeah, of how much the sport is advanced, though, right? I mean, but the yeah. fact that second through fourth place is separated by 50 seconds in the men's yeah, race, in a, in it's a 50K like is, uh, there's no margin cool. for error. So I'm going to go through the top 10 results here. And since you guys are uh, experts here, especially in this area category of the sport, sort of like the 50K sub ultra distance stuff, I'd love to have you add some perspective on some of the characters who performed well yesterday. Maybe we'll start with the men. I'd love to understand so Steon obviously such an impressive guy Norwegian yeah. athlete two-time world champion now two-time OCC champion golden troll series champion yeah uh, yeah he's won yeah he's pretty collected much all everything the pretty much. yeah so just maybe, like a wonderful maybe, human yeah <laughs> yeah so any what, what about Steon makes him special I mean is he just a great all-around type athlete I know because he, he sort of came from a VK uphill Specialty uh, background, didn't he? Yeah, sky running also. Uh, and then as he joined the Salomon team, I think, um, uh, from like Golden Troll Series type of races. Um, he's very good. He's, he's very grounded. Yeah. He's very humble. And uh, I think this is part of what makes him a great athlete. I think the fact that he, he trains is in he trains in Norway. He's based in Bergen, Norway. Um, a lot of great athletes is, come um, from Bergen. Is interesting because um, I don't know. There's something about Norway. The trails are technical and steep and like just hard enough that make you a really good and strong athlete on yeah. any terrain. And you clearly see that, of course, with Killian, but also with John and uh, and Patter, for example. And then, so, like, Christian Blumenfeld and yeah. Gustav Eden and triathlon. And, of course, yeah, there is yeah. the, like, Norwegian training system that everyone is looking at. And yeah, now in track, you know, you've got Jakob Ingebrigtsen yeah. and the hurdler who's the world champion. I mean, the, the Norwegian world. endurance athletes are absolutely <laughs> yeah. amazing. So, yeah, um... Is is also been very consistent through the years, and um, what I also like him like about him is that, you know, when he focuses on a goal, he rarely miss. Yeah. Like last year, his goal was to win the World Trail Champs, and he, and he, and he, and he didn't race until then, basically. Yeah. Anything you guys want to add about Steon? I mean, Steon was probably like my favorite interview of the year so far. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I really enjoyed getting to to know him as a person, but. Yeah, I mean, like Francesco said, like once he sets his eyes on a goal, it's really hard for him to miss. And uh, yeah, I think part of it is that he races less now. I think he was racing a lot um, a couple of years ago and it was still going well for him. But now he's just like he's hitting it all the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's kind of like bumped up from what he already <coughs> was. And with me, with Steon, I really when I've watched him race, which is seldom, but yesterday was another chance to mm -hmm. do that. Um, he just like, I think, I believe some, many of the best, best sub ultra athletes can really crush a downhill and immediately transition. Mm -hmm. And he just has that nailed. Yeah. Like he is not... So His quads are ready to go. Everything's firing. You know, this is something that's interesting that is not talked about a lot. It's like the importance of the transition between downhill and uphill and uphill and downhill, even in long course stuff, too. Last, last year at the World Champs, that's where he won the race. Uh, yeah. We were, I was, it was me, uh, Stian, and John Albon. Uh, after the first downhill, and we had like a big climb afterwards, and that's where he got a gap. Uh -huh. and, uh, 
that yeah. lower part of the climbs finish. after yeah. the transition. I felt like I interrupted like really you there. Push hard. Yeah, no, that's like I yeah. mean, I I believe that too. Just like watching the best athletes and like when I'm taking notes again, just like student brain, I'm like that's what you need to nail. Mm -hmm. And like watching him come out of Argentaire because once I dropped, people were like, "Oh, you want to go home?" I was like, "No, take me Argentaire right now. Yeah. I'm gonna see the rest of this race <laughs> um, and pretend I'm in there somehow." <laughs> I saw you in Argentina. Give me my like, media credential. Yeah. Yeah. I know. <laughs> Everyone was so sweet too. They'd be like, "Oh, the Danny, what? What are you doing?" I'm like, "Keep racing." But uh, yeah, Steon just coming out of that. What is one of the, I think, a very key downhill in OCC before the last climb at a Col de Bomb. He was just like full on, like Mission Impossible sprinting. Eyes darted forward and looked like it didn't even face him. Yeah. And I was like, this man is going to crush this next uphill. And then I saw the footage of him and I'm like, it looks like he's in Mont Blanc Marathon. Just like, boom, up to the top again. He's such a stud. I remember in, I think it was 2020 when he won OCC last time. We were at Cafe La Floria just watching runners come through and he just came absolutely screaming through yeah. and just yeah one of those athletes who is so impressive on the race course and off so again Stian Angermoon was our men's champion yesterday followed closely by our co-host here today Francesco Pupi <laughs> looked like it was just over two minutes at the finish line really close race on your tail was Antonio Martinez Perez Spaniard, then Yusheng Guang, Chinese athlete in fourth, Jeshrin Small, who I want to talk about in a second, in fifth, Robbie Simpson in sixth, Anthony Felber in seventh, Guang Fu Meng in eighth, Tao Lu in ninth, and Yan Marguerite Soleil in tenth. Three Chinese athletes in the top ten there. And one of the things that I also wanted to just Very point out is the top five in both the men's and women's races, five different countries, which is so freaking cool. Let's talk about Jeshren. Do you guys know him personally? Yes. <laughs> what a freaking race by this what kid. What a talent. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. That that one uh, surprised me a bit. Like, it may not have surprised you because, like, you're yeah. his teammate, but... Um, I don't know why I was surprised because, I mean, he's very young. And honestly, he gave Hayden Hawks like a decent run for his money at Canyons. And I like forgot about that completely. And so when I saw him first American, I was like, oh my gosh, I should have known. Like such a good race. Yeah. I think he also ran like a better and like a much more experienced athlete. He's only 25. And uh, I think he managed his race really well. He was running at the front and just... It was just where he needed to be, and uh, he had a strong finish. Yeah, I think... So talented. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's extremely talented. He's so cool. Um, stay safe, Jeshurn. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I think what stands out to me the most is he is really just such a... He himself has so much knowledge about the sport, but he is such a sponge and he's just constantly taking stuff in. I think with a team like Terex where you have great athletes like Robbie Simpson that you could take notes from who have been here before, have done it, know how to get onto the podium, et cetera, um, amongst the rest of our team, et cetera. Um, yeah, he's just constantly taking notes. and But he also has like his own way of doing it. It's not like, oh, they did it like that, so I need to do it like that. He's kind of just like constantly consuming. Uh, 
and also just from OCC last year, he, this was a goal for him too. He didn't make it. So it's his only race on the calendar. Mm-hmm. He was, he put, had some other races like canyons. There was something down in South Africa, GoPro, etc. But, um, he even has like a YouTube series too, yeah. where it's like road to OCC. Everyone should check it out. Oh, um, awesome. And so, yeah, this this was like a really big goal for him. So to see him up there uh, talking to him, like he just wanted to be in the race from yeah. the get go, even if it was hurt. That's what I loved about it is yeah. like he really put himself out there. He yep. put himself in the fight. He put himself mm-hmm. in position to have a spectacular day. And as you know, you know, a top five finish here can do a lot for your career, especially as a sort of young up and coming athlete like he is. And so. Great to see Jeshrin probably outperform a lot of people's expectations for him here, but really showing that his potential is really high in the sport, and I think we'll see a lot more of him in the years to come. Anything else you want to mention from the men's race before we move on to the women? Um, yeah, I mean, um, I think it was very interesting to see three Chinese athletes in the top ten. Yep. Um you know, China is a part of the world that we tend to ignore, uh, even outside sport. But, you know, Asia is like 3 billion people, and it's like a universe that is there and that we don't know much about. And uh, these athletes coming to UTMB, I think they opened our eyes uh, on the fact that there is a trail running movement that is healthy and well-developed, yeah. even in China, that we just don't know much about. Exactly. Um, and, uh, you know, everyone was expecting, you know, the, the, two, the two Chinese athletes that started off in front to quickly blow up, but they actually didn't, and they finished in the top 10, and um, they're, like, super strong athletes, Super strong. So... It's a sign that our sport is becoming more global, uh, that the competition is increasing, and uh, that new countries are uh, making their appearance on on the world stage. Yeah. So it's it's cool, uh, you know. Just like we cannot ignore Africa, for example. Yeah. Um, As we saw, I feel it's we should. All. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel we should do a better job at communicating like like not ignoring that and not pretending that trail running is just a european and north american sport yeah. because it's not anymore great point yeah. well, so i think we saw that at western states too like with uh, the addition yeah. of the yeah, <coughs> Shen, Shen, the, yep. yeah. The sports for example yeah with the addition of a couple other races to get in like it became so much more competitive when it wasn't just like a which american can we get into this like yeah. race for the longest kind of thing. time it was only californians who yeah. won western states <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Can I say one more? Not. I'm going to yeah. transition really <laughs> yeah. quick. Um, something that I just wanted to note off the of back, of, back of both what they said is like how aggressively they went out. Yeah. And yeah. I think for so long as Americans, when we would come to Europe, we're like the Europeans go out aggressively. But that to me is just like it's not that anyone is going out aggressively. They're just being competitive yeah. and they're running. Yeah. Cause if you go on the start line of any road race in America, they go out aggressively. Right. And so to me, it's like, as we are starting to include the rest of the world, the whole level of the sport, like we are all saying is going Stop up yeah. and like, I think everyone is going to start 
to do that. It's one of the things we've been talking about all week is just the risks that you have to take to win on this stage now. And in each of these races, OCC, CCC, UTMB, I guarantee the winner is coming out of the front pack basically. And you have to be on the gas, which means sometimes it's going to be a spectacular, flawless race. And sometimes it's going to be a ton of attrition, a ton of drops. And I think you cannot expect to win if, anymore if you're not running a front race and maybe you cannot even expect to win if you're running a smart race like at some point you will have to make a bold decision decision or like a big move that is maybe out of your comfort zone like a take a risk and um, sometimes it works it works sometimes it doesn't but that's how it's become so expanding on your point francesco it, it was so international. Like I said, all five of the top five came from different countries. So I'm just going to list the seven countries that were included in the men's top 10. And then we'll do the same for the women because it's equally remarkable. So we had Norway, Italy, Spain, China, U.S., Great Britain, France, China, China, Spain. So seven countries in the top 10 on the men's race. And there was eight in the women's race. So transitioning over to that now, let's start with the champion, Tony McCann, South African, really cool to see that country represented on the top of the podium here. And I don't know that much about her, so I'd love to just open the floor to you guys to enlighten us a little bit. I'll chat about Tony. Um, Yeah, she's my teammate. Um, So Tony was fifth last year at OCC. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as much as we like to highlight the top 10 the week of, it tends to be that that washes away sometimes and you just remember the top three. But she had a very top, very great finish behind Kimber Maddox last year. Mm-hmm. Um, she came in, uh, so after that race, she then went to Otter Trail and she broke a record on a course that both Holly Page and Ruth Croft have run on. Mm-hmm. So that's some great company. Really famous South African trail race. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she came into this year and she won Transvolcania Marathon to get into OCC. Uh, with these UTMB races kind of getting diluted, which I'm sure we all can kind of agree to right now because you're trying to get gem or no, not gems. I keep changing it. Stones yeah. <laughs> um, and I, stuff I like, like that. But that was an exceptional performance. Like if you look at her splits and stuff like that, like very smart, very even all the way through and, and came in guns ablaze on the downhill. So another result that I forgot to highlight also is she was second behind Sarah Alonzo last year at Trans Grand Canaria, mm. not that far behind, mm-hmm. which is a downhill course. Um, coming into this year after Transvolcania, though, I forget how she did it, but she like had a collarbone injury. She was she was spectating uh, at <laughs> oh, Worlds, Worlds, and she yeah, literally just like skid out on the bike and landed and broke her collarbone. Oh, yeah, geez. yeah, and so she wasn't able to race there. Um, I remember. And, uh, yeah, she was, honestly, I I had her pinned as like a podium favorite in my head, uh, and she didn't get to show it. Uh, sound familiar. (laughs) 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 We've all been there. Um, and so she kind of was on the bike for a bit and then it wasn't until maybe like a couple of weeks ago, even when I was here for Iger, like she had just started running, uh, but she had put a ton of work in on the bike and yeah, I mean, (laughs) I think she believed it, um, but I still think she had some hesitation. Like her goal, her dream goal was to win this race, to do better than last year, et cetera. Um, And just chatting to her, it was just one of those magical days where everything clicked. Um, For me, 
I believe that, but I also just know how much work she's put in there. Mm -hmm. And so like to see her win was amazing. It wasn't like surprising though. I was like, no, she can win this race. Mm -hmm. And even the day before she knew how I was feeling. And I told her, I'm not the reason why she run, but I was just like, Tony, like you can win. Like you need to believe that. And I'm like, I'm going to do what I can, but like you can win and like do that. Um, so it was so cool to, to see her already accomplish like such a big goal. And I'm sure her goals are going to start to evolve now from it. Unbelievable. Yeah. Thanks for that uh, fly on the wall perspective of yeah. <laughs> you guys' conversations and the moments before a huge breakthrough win for Tony. Anything you guys want to add about Tony yeah, before? Yeah, just wanted, add, wanted to add that. So she ran five hour, five hour eighteen for fifty three kilometer and three thousand one hundred meters of elevation. Sick fast as the yeah. course ended up being, which is thirty six minutes slower than Stian's time, which I feel is like super super close, like such a small gap, and also thinking how relatively fast the woman, the men's race was. I think is very impressive. Yeah, great Something point. that should be highlighted. Thanks for bringing that up. Yeah, Danny and I had talked about the course change earlier in the week, and we both kind of decided that the winning time was probably going to be like 5.30. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so to see her run yeah. 5.18, I was like, yeah, oh, even, my gosh. Yeah, <laughs> we were yeah. expecting around five hours because we figured uh, with approximately two miles uh, shorter, we'd be like 20 minutes faster, but we ended up being... 35 minutes faster right. than the course record. Yeah, MK speculated here earlier in the week that it was going to be 30 minutes faster. Yeah. The men was about that. The women's was Tony was so 50 much minutes faster than last year. Oh my goodness, Insane. Tony McCann, amazing. I just started yeah. following on her on Instagram a couple months ago. And mm. anyway, don't know her well personally, but wow, what a spectacular performance. Hopefully totally. we can get her on the podcast or something soon. Second place, Katie Scheid, holy smokes. <laughs> yeah. Wow. She is so solid. So just to... Um, sort of bring something full circle that I've been talking about throughout the week is Katie now has podium finishes at OCC, CCC, and UTMB, which I think is so remarkable in this age of specialization to see people who do have that versatility and can go up and down in distances. Finishing second place here after one of the all-time great 100-mile performances at Western States in June, Katie Scheid was eight minutes back of... Tony McCann in second place. What do you think about Katie's performance? I think prior to Western States, I would not have put her in like my top 10 even maybe. Like I, just because this field is so competitive. Um, But after Western States, I was like, shit, she's fast. Like, and she's been working like for this. And so I I definitely didn't underestimate her maybe as much as I would have prior to Western States, but I still did not see second place. Like that was an insane performance. And like from the beginning, I was running with her and Tony for a little bit and she just was like, she just sent it like, cause that's what you have. Like we were just talking about, that's what you have to do now. Like if you're going to put yourself in a position to win, you have to go out in the front and she wasn't messing around. It was cool to see from my, (laughs) My vantage point, but um, for a while there, I was like, okay, we're racing Katie Scheid today, we're racing Jen Lichter, we're racing Tony, like, it's going to be a battle, Um, and it was, yeah, so cool to see her just, like, tear it up out there. Unreal. (laughs) Yeah, I had a a, a couple of friends who were coming up to me while we were here in Chamonix, like, what about Katie Scheid? And I was like, 
don't underestimate her for sure. Like I keep thinking back to when Courtney did uh, Zagama and got 10th there. And uh, I was like, and these are, she knows these trails. And since Western, she's just been doing what looks like speed. Yep. And I'm like, that's nearly the near perfect pyramid that a coach would put together is like do a bunch of volume yep. and then you sharpen. And, and especially like, for Western state, she's doing like faster volume exactly. too. So yeah. then you just do the specificity of vertical and it translates pretty well. It seems yeah, like. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I was looking at some of her splits and like, yeah, she was sending the downhills, which like, I think as sub ultra runners, we tend to think, Oh, that's kind of maybe our niche. Maybe what levels up above is that our downhills tend to be a little bit faster, more aggressive, more intense. Uh, but she put herself right in the mix with them. And yeah, that's how she ended up on second. So yeah, it's pretty cool. So let me just go through the top 10 here and then we can add any other stories from some of these other characters who I'm sure you guys are more familiar with than me. So again, we had Tony McCann in first, Katie Scheid in second, Mao Yao in third, Caitlin Fielder in fourth, Daniela Omis in fifth, Rachel Drake in sixth, Candice Fairton in seventh, Luis Serbin Penhot in eighth, Nuria Jill in ninth, and Anastina er- Erikilla from <laughs> Finland in tenth. Yeah, yeah. Excuse me, that wasn't, <laughs> uh, yeah. wasn't yeah. great. But yeah, I, definitely, I would love to mention something about Rachel Drake, but just to, you know, come back to this internationalization component, eight countries represented in the top 10 in the women's race, South Africa, US, China, New Zealand, Germany, France, Spain, Finland. Yeah. So cool. So cool. Yeah. It's uh, wild too. Cause like, if you think of the start list, uh, I really thought I was like, maybe America could take like five spots right. this year. Yeah. Danny and I were feeling confident about <laughs> like how many American women we were going to get yeah. in the top 10. And, and then, yeah. We still got two, which is awesome. Yeah. yeah the same. Yeah. Maybe uh, less than last year, actually. Yeah. We had three last Five year. Five of the top six ranked women in the race were Americans yeah. by UTMB index. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. With us and stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, it just goes to show, I mean, a start line could be the, the craziest looking start line, but you don't know until the mm-hmm. day of. Especially um, in a race this competitive. Especially in a race this competitive yeah. and so many components and stuff like that. Rachel Drake, can we talk about her? Go ahead. Yeah. Um, well, you want to go first? You're her teammate, Nike? Yeah, sure. She's my teammate and uh, someone that I really look up to. Uh, of course, she was coming from um, giving birth um, less than a year ago, I believe 11 months ago. And also a postpartum injury, a sacral stress fracture. Um, so it's not a secret. It's, it hasn't been the easiest season for Rachel. But I think what she was able to accomplish yesterday and uh, over the past couple of months uh, should not be uh, overlooked. It's, uh, it's really, really cool. Uh, she's just kept growing race after race. Uh, she started from Dolomites, uh, that is a stage of the Golden Trail series in Italy. Uh, she she went to Sierzinal and she improved. Um, and then I think she was able to pull off a very solid performance yesterday. Um, and it was cool to to also see Tyler Green supporting her up at Col de Balm. Um, Tyler, of course, is racing uh, <coughs> UTMB. Um, so I hope this will give him 
some good energy for, for his race too. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. We just had Tyler and Rachel on the podcast a couple of weeks ago and Rachel was just talking about how she's just been sort of like slowly coming back from the, uh, pregnancy and then the stress fracture that you mentioned and that each race, she seemed to be making a little bit more progress and then boom, sixth place here at OCC. And those of us who know Rachel know how insanely talented she is. She was second at the golden trail world final in 2020 when they did it in the Azores. And, you know, that I think is representative of her talent and her capabilities in the sport. And I think for sure she can improve even upon that sixth place. And oh, it'll yeah. be interesting to see. I think she's sort of similar to someone like Katie Scheid, where I think she could do similar stuff at CCC. She has finished that race as well. Maybe someday even the big 100-mile race. Not to think too <laughs> far ahead of ourselves, but really proud of Rachel and her performance out there yesterday. Well, and yeah. just to mention that <clears throat> both she and Daniela Oimas are new moms finishing yeah. right next to each other, fifth and sixth. Like yeah. how inspirational. <laughs> Super cool. Yeah. I, yeah. I love Rachel. You know, I love you, Rachel. Um, yeah. I just, I appreciate her working out in such a visible way. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of times when you're coming back, whether it's from injury or a mom, you, you kind of want to hide away from the world until you're baked just right. Yeah. Um, and so I've just really appreciated her getting out there still with her signature smile, being super happy. Um, and yesterday I could see discomfort in her face for a little while, you know, like you could tell she was really pushing and I feel that, I mean, yes, we all know she's a talent and, and she's been working out in the light. Um, but I think she's finally crossing that line mm-hmm. and, and getting closer and closer. And I just know once she's like back to full force, she's going to surpass what yeah. she did before. So I'm really happy that we should she got mention that, race. that she's less than a year postpartum right yeah, now. Yeah, like 11, 11 months. months. Yeah, that's incredibly impressive. <laughs> um, so we are about an hour deep into CCC now. Anything oh. else you guys want to add about OCC before we start talking about the longer races? I don't think um, so. Cool. Oh. Just uh, just wanted to mention, I was also very impressed with uh, Katie Scheid's result. And I think, you know, thinking about um, all the athletes, I think this versatility... Um, had only been displayed before by Killian Journet. Yeah. Like it's almost as versatile as Killian, who was alternating long and short distance races last year. He went from the Gamma to Hard Rock to Sierrazinal to UTMB. And I still consider Katie uh, a sort of like 50K runner, yeah. uh, 50 to. 50K to 50 mile, actually. Um, but the fact that she's been able to combine Western State with this uh, second place mm-hmm. at OCC. Uh, yeah, doing it in the give, same give season the, is amazing. dimension to yeah. her as an athlete. Of yeah. course, I mean, she broke the old course record at Western State, and that was a huge deal. But it is this is um, something very... Very, very solid. Yeah, one of the things we've been talking about is the history here at UTMB. Xavier Thevnard has won OCC, CCC, UTMB, and TDS. Of course, he's got three UTMBs, too. So remarkable 
performances over time from Xavier. I doubt anybody will ever match that winning all of the races. But now Katie Scheid has podiums, OCC, CCC, UTMB. Petter Engdahl has a chance to yep. enter that pantheon if he finished on the podium at UTMB, having and finished on the podium. At Blondine. Blondine. And Blondine. Yeah. And, Blondine. Blondine. and also Mimi Kotka has done that. Yeah. Um, Petter reminded me of that she, the other she day. She mentioned so. like Xavier was like 10 years ago. Petter uh, is like, you know, in the past couple of years and the sport has changed and got way more competitive. So I think it's difficult to compare, but yeah. If he was to podium at UTMB, it would be commensurate with Katie's double, right? Because he just finished third place at the Montblanc Marathon yeah. too, which is one of the highest level yeah. sub-ultra distance races on the planet. So anyway. Oh, it's Croft too. I totally forgot. Yeah, she's oh, yeah. one Bruder. CCC, one OCC twice. She's not going to be racing. She doesn't have a race, chance, yeah. but she's kind of in that company. It's well. too bad, man. I'm so bummed. Ruth is such a champ. But yeah, again, just like we mentioned at the front of the show, it's part of sport and yeah she's got the head on her shoulders that'll i'm sure lead to great performances later this summer and uh, later on in the i fall. do have one more person that i want to talk about because mm -hmm. we kind of skipped over her but yao meow yeah. she won ccc in the past yep. third here i know that she's not really satisfied with that result because she was second in mont blanc marathon like fourth i think at sears and all and I think she really wanted this one to be like the one, but uh, still huge performance. Yeah, so she's she's crushing it this year. Yeah, she was the early leader throughout the day yesterday. I think it was at the top of Col de Balm when Tony finally had put a gap on her. But yeah, it's one of those athletes who always takes the biggest risks, always goes for it, races fearlessly, and it paid off at CCC. Uh, I think it was twenty eighteen. 2018 uh, or 2019 2018, when yeah. she broke the course record in what was at that point like sort of a unprecedented performance on the CCC course. So again, another one of those athletes who's shown versatility across distances. Yeah. Thanks for bringing her up. All right, let's talk about CCC. We could spend all day on, on OCC, <laughs> but we've got so much to talk about. Yeah, here. give us an update. What's again, uh, happening over yeah, there? No, no major. We'll get updates in about 10 minutes. So uh, thanks for teeing that up. The lead men should be at the top of the first climb in about 10 minutes. And that first climb is an absolute monster leaving Cormier on the Italian side of Mont Blanc. I've got the start list up in front of me. I don't think any of you guys do. So maybe I'll just like list off a few names and then you guys can provide some color. And actually, Francesco, I'd like to start with you with Andreas Reiterer, a fellow Italian athlete. And before we press record here, we were just sort of talking about Andreas and what makes him special. And I mentioned that it does feel like in this age of specialization, where if you guys are sort of considered sub ultra 50 K type athletes, our panelists here, Courtney DeWalter sort of considered a 100-mile specialist. Andreas Reiter is really chiseling out a specialty for himself in this middle distance between sort of 80 to 120K. What makes Andreas so good? Yeah. Um, you know, I first met Andreas in 2019, and he was pretty new to the sport. I remember running with him the World Trail Champs, uh, where he had, a, you know, kind of, good expectation but it was his first international race and uh, he ended up like pretty far behind um, and I think that was an experience that allowed him to to grow a lot and understand uh, his place in the sport since then he's worked hard he is never uh, 
turned away from the competition. You know, even he's come to do short races and he's come to get his butt kicked mm -hmm. just to to improve. Mm -hmm. And he's become the best in the ultra distances in Italy. And not just in Italy because he's one of the best in the world. I mean, he finished on the podium both in Thailand last year, the World Tra Trail Champs. He was third in the race won by Adam Peterman. And uh, this year was uh, was second in Innsbruck behind uh, Benjamin Rubiol. Um, he was second at Ultra Trail Cape Town behind Jim Wamsley. He was third last year at CCC. So it's just been really consistent. He's been fourth at CCC too. Super yeah. consistent. Super yeah. consistent at a high level uh, in the 80 to 100K distance. And, uh, yeah, as Danny was mentioning regarding uh, Josh Rian, he is, he is a sponge as well. Like, mm -hmm. he's learned so much from a lot of great athletes and um, he's such a hardworking athlete, too. He mm -hmm. trains uh, a lot. He's not scared to, to work hard and do big things and... Uh, yeah, so maybe it's 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 also interesting to mention that it lives um, in a in a region uh, of Italy that is called uh, Sud Tirol, uh, where they speak German. So yeah. he's like he speaks better German than Italian, but yeah. he's, of course he's still Italian. That's uh, like where is that where Danny Jung is from too? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, yeah, it's a spe pretty special region. Like great mountains, great places to to run. Um, but maybe, I, I mean, I think it feels Italian, but, uh, it's, I don't know, sort of weird. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, cool. A bit of a disconnect. Yeah. Yeah. yeah anyway, uh, Andreas Reiter, of course, like our audience will be mostly American that listens to this. We have a lot of international listeners, but I think it's important to introduce people like Andreas to a mostly American listenership. I'd also love to have Danny and MK talk about Thibaut Baronian, who's in the CCC race oh, yeah. this year. I know you all have done a lot of uh, competitions with him in the Golden Trail World Series. He's been on the podium here at CCC two years ago. He dropped out last year. But again, we've been talking all morning about people who step up and down and distances. What about Thibaut? We talked about him on the, I think the Sears and All podcast we did too. So. Yeah. He's just like so consistent. It's insane. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, other than maybe dropping out, like I feel like he's never outside of the top 10 in any race that he does uh, and really not out of the top five. Um, but like he's shown that he can do like the longer stuff pretty well. He's been third here before. He was second at Madeira stage race last year, which was like basically an ultra. Um, so uh, I mean, I'm a, I'm a Tebow fan girl, so I'm excited to see how this year goes because he's got the experience, he has the consistency, he just has to have the right day. Yeah, to me, he's just always like a, a smart racer too. He he knows the course really well. He has this very, he's very fun, very fun personality, but I also feel like there's kind of a mastermind, uh, you know, lurking up in the brain. <laughs> and um, yeah, he just always figures out how to get in mostly the top five and then on occasion, the top 10. Yeah, awesome. So maybe just taking through some of the other favorites here, I'll just list off a bunch of names and then maybe ask you guys to not necessarily make predictions, but who do you think are poised for great performances at CCC? And then we'll close by talking about UTMB here in just a little bit. But obviously Jonathan Albin is back last year's second place finisher. 
and who was under the course record, only beaten by Petter Engdahl's, you know, sort of unprecedented otherworldly win at CCC last year. We got a lot of great Americans on both sides. We got Drew Holman, Eric LaPuma, uh, Seth Ruling on the women's side, Helen Mino Faulkner, Allison Baca, Aaron Clark, Hannah Allgood, Audrey Tangays here, Emily Forsberg. You know, we talked about Shen earlier coming off fourth place at Western States. Any of those characters you guys want to expand on or, or others that I didn't mention? Yeah, I'd love to add in uh, Emily Hoggood. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. She is severely underrated as yeah. a runner. Her ability to double at Western States and UTMB, very consistent. Um, also, Emily Schmitz. Uh, she was a, maybe a surprise at top 10 at Worlds. Um, but she's also a runner who's lived in Europe, knows these trails really well. She actually lives here. Um, she's very strong. Uh, who else are you going to add? Uh, I mean, Ida Nielsen. She's oh, my course. teammate. Can't yeah. ever counter out. She just ran Ultra Boston and won like two weeks ago, but I have no doubt that she is going to I picked her be... to win. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I still I'm like, uh, yeah, Ida could win this too. Like no big deal. But, um, and also Marcella Vasanova, like she went out really hard at worlds, kind of like paid for it later on, but, um, she's a very strong athlete. She like, I think probably learned from that experience. And so I'm excited to see how this goes for her. Um, I'm also, I'm stoked to see how John Albin does. I feel like he, it's like, he's always like this close yeah. to winning a race and it doesn't happen often. It happened at Mont Blanc marathon last year, but like this year he's had a couple of like third places and, um, he was third at worlds. He was, was he third at worlds this year too? Or was he fourth? No, he was fifth. Oh, he's fifth yeah. at worlds this year. And it's just like, he's so close every time. Like maybe this is his year. <laughs> yep. Yeah. yeah. He's so tough. So tough. John yeah. Albin yeah. from great Britain, of course, also a obstacle course racing world champion, <laughs> just a great all around athlete. Lives in Norway. Yeah. yeah. Lives in Norway. Of course. Um, yeah. Kate, tell us about Helen. Cause Ugh. we've been talking about Jeshrin this morning and I feel like she's sort of like the equivalent in the CCC field of like, you know she's going to put herself in the fight today. And if she's able to put together the performance that she's capable of, it can really help to take her profile to the next level in the sport, similar to Jeshrin yesterday. Yeah, I, um, I'm i so stoked for Helen. After this, I'm actually headed to Champaign-Lac to yeah. crew for Helen. Uh, we were college teammates, and we've been friends for a really long time. And Helen, I wouldn't ex- uh, describe her like Jeshrin. I wouldn't say she's necessarily a sponge. She's definitely a fan of the sport, but... Not in the same way that like all of us are. Yeah, Yeah, she's definitely just like here to be in a beautiful place. As she says, she's a professional jogger, like um, running is the thing that she does during races and that's it. Um, But I think that Helen has been working her butt off. Um, I remember last year there were a couple of weeks that I got up to like 100 miles a week and she was like, that is so dumb. Why would you ever do that? But uh, Helen has done that a couple of times this year. Um, uh, Shout out to Rick, our coach, who's been uh, pushing her just like a little bit further every year. But I think if Helen has a great day and it clicks for her, I mean, I have her on the podium. She's like the toughest gal. I mean, her performance at Speedgoat blew me away. When I found out that she was running Speedgoat, I was like, oh, she'll do great. Like, you know, but like she says, she's a jogger. So I'm like, no way Helen's going to like run faster than I thought. I thought she'd run like 620 and she ran like 605. And I was like, okay, Helen is ready for a big year. Yeah. She's good in the mountains. Check this out, guys. We've got the visuals of the lead men coming up to the top of the first final at CCC. 
Bertone to Bonatti is like... Yeah, oof. so unfortunately our viewers and listeners can't capture <laughs> this visual, but wow, what a spectacular view of the Italian side of the Mont Blanc as the lead men start to make their way up and over the top of the first climb. It's a 4,500-foot climb. And then for the next half marathon or so, it's very runnable. One of the things, as we talk more specifically about CCC, one of the things that I think makes it difficult is that the first 50K is a lot faster than the second 50K. Sort of one of the things that makes UTMB difficult is that the first half is much easier than the second half. That's why we see so much attrition typically in the UTMB race, especially on the men's side of things. But, I mean, unbelievable competition here at CCC. And when you put together a broadcast like this, it's sort of like, how is it that people in the world don't trail run? (laughs) So we'll get an update as to who these people are. I think I saw at least Shen and John Albin here in these top three, but we'll get an accurate split here momentarily. But... We should talk about the conditions and maybe a little bit more about the course, if you guys wanted to expand on what I just said. It's like perfect conditions, it feels like, for the CCC and UTMB races. It should be sort of upper 60s throughout today and tomorrow, probably like low 40s, maybe a little bit cooler than that in the mountains tonight. It's going to be kind of a perfect UTMB. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, it's night and day compared to last year. (laughs) Yeah. Last year, it was so hot, and it's so funny with the race week literally being one week later this year. Last week was so hot. It was and disgusting. It just, <laughs> and it just shifted. Um, it just feels like a completely different place. There's snow-capped mountains in the... It's a little uh, more beautiful. It, it's, yeah. it's definitely beautiful. Um, with that, like, you need to, I believe, like, put yourself in the race a lot sooner because mm-hmm. not as many people are going to be affected because when you have great conditions, it the attrition happens a lot later. Yep. Um, so you have to be able to cover moves, know when those moves are going to happen. For CCC, it depends on where they're coming from in the world. Maybe like they get ready for the nighttime because it has been a little bit chilly. Um, and with CCC too, like you, um, what's it called? There are stretches that you don't really see people for a while. Mm -hmm. So I think it's important that like you stay engaged, especially if the race is going quicker than you think. And Mm -hmm. you might have to like put the the watch away and not think about splits from previous years, et cetera. Yeah. And we should say that last year was good conditions too, as we saw course records go down in both CCC and UTMB. We'll see if those are going to be in play here today. Guys, are you ready to be excited here? Yes. As I yeah. have splits over the top of the first climb. <laughs> in first place, Ryan Thrower, your boy, Seth Ruling, Whoa. leading the men's race. I was like, yeah. he's Ryan's going for race. it. Yeah. <laughs> Ryan uh, Thrower. Second place, Shen Jishen. Third place, Hu Ho Zhang, another Chinese athlete. Fourth place right now is Luke Grenfell Shaw from Great Britain. I don't know anything about him. Andreas Reiter in fifth. We just spoke about Dakota Jones in sixth, Thibaut Baronian in seventh, and it looks like the eighth and final person through there as of now is Simon Goslin, a Frenchman. So anyway, that's our top eight over the course. Uh, or All over together the top. or kind of spread apart. Yeah, pretty much together. It looks like separated by about a minute or two, and I'm sure, yeah, we just got updates. So ninth and tenth are Baptiste Petitjan, Frenchman, and Antoine Charvelin, also Frenchman, in tenth. So anyway, very early. They're going to be at the Bertone here in 12 or 13 minutes too, the the first major aid station on the CCC course. So we'll get another good update 
from that. Anything else you guys want to talk about on CCC before we spend a little time on UTMB and then wind down for the day? Um, I think for me, I, I'm excited for the Americans in both races. Uh, two Americans that I'm really excited to watch, though, are Dakota Jones and Drew Holman. Yep. Um, I just, they, it wouldn't be surprised to me if they could end up on the podium or if they end up on the podium. And I just, uh, I love the way they race. Yep. Um, so I'm just excited to see how that unfolds. Dakota's one of my favorite all-time trail runners. So he and I come <laughs> from the same generation, even though he's a few years younger than I am. But put together another victory at Transvolcania this year, 11 years after winning it the first time <laughs> in 2012, crazy. which is amazing, yeah. right? <laughs> and then had a, he went toe-to-toe with Tom Evans yeah. at Western States. They duked it out in the most amazing, brilliant, heroic way. Tom, of course, went on to be victorious. Dakota struggled to, you know, sort of like a 17 or 18 hour finish, I think it was. But Dakota is one of those athletes who's always going to put himself in there. Yeah. You know, has that self-belief, has that competitiveness and has the talent, but is also just like the chillest, most down to earth guy ever. So. Yeah. And Drew Holman was demandingly won Lake Sonoma and then was the first American to finish in that iconic men's yep. from the U.S. Uh, in the long trail this year at Worlds. So, yeah, same. Also excited. I'm I'm really excited to see what Allison Baca does Yep. because I think she was a bit of a – both her and Emily were a bit of a surprise at Worlds and, like – Wow, just so tough. <laughs> yeah, also in the mom category too. Yes. Yeah, yeah her kid and is the cutest. Er- Eric oh my gosh. Puma also, yes. I think, is a strong oh, yeah. contender. Is yeah. just yeah. signed for Adidas Terex. Uh, big fan of Eric. Seventh in the last two world championships. Yeah. 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 Another yeah. consistent. He'll be performer. rocking the new Agravic Speed Ultra. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Okay. <laughs> it's also based <laughs> on the <laughs> on the east side of the U.S., which is yep. kind of cool. Huh? Yep, unusual to yeah. be able to be that good in the mountains when you live in a place like Vermont and compete against people who live in the Alps or Colorado or California, et cetera. So yeah. shout out Eric Lapuma. It's It'll the be mustache. great to see. Yeah, it's the mustache. Yeah. <laughs> right. There's there's a little bit of American bias on this panel yeah. here. But, uh, <laughs> even even our good friend Francesco I, I do, can I do fall feel for us sometimes. American. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, we will adopt you any day. Any day. <laughs> Okay, let's talk about UTMB. Holy smokes, you know, like, (laughs) what's really cool is, like, UTMB is, of course, the biggest race here. The the, the whole event is named after it, right? But, (laughs) you know, now these other events are emerging from its shadow in a lot of ways, and I think UTMB has done a great job to create this world final system so that athletes of different specialties can really show off their talents, and it's not all about the 100-mile race. But still... It is so fun to talk about the 100-mile race, and it is always one of, if not the most competitive race of the year. On the women's side, clear favorite is Courtney DeWalter coming in even after her amazing course record performances at Western States at Hard Rock. The men's side is totally wide open, I think. Killian Francois-Xavier, 11 of the last 14 victories are no longer here. We do have Pau Capel and Ludovic Pomeray, former champions in the race. I don't think either of them come in as clear favorites. Opening it up to the panel, what do we think about UTMB tonight? Holy cow, the men's race is like, <laughs> you got Jim, you got Tom Evans, and... Patter. Patter, oh my, and there's one other, uh, like, American I feel like I'm forgetting about, the one I read Nick it earlier. Miller? No. Or Zach, Zach, or Zach Miller. Miller. Yeah, Zach Miller. Nick Miller. <laughs> Sorry, <Brian>. Zach. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, uh, like, I have no idea who's going to win. <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty open. Um, I guess uh, you know there is 
there are different reasons why um, a lot of athletes have a strong chance to to win or like get a good performance or be on the podium. Um, I think for Tom Evans, it comes down to how well he's recovered from West State. Um, for Petter Angdahl, you know, it's his 100-mile uh, debut, so I think he's very well prepared, uh, but it's still a big question mark. Um, yeah, but it will be super exciting. I just wanted to add that um, I think it's, it's good that UTMB has um, given the same importance to the three different distances, making them the finals of the 50K, 100K, and 100-mile events. Mm -hmm. So that, I mean, UTMB is definitely the biggest race, but I think CCC and OCC are also equally important. So that's something cool to me. Yeah, yeah, great. So before we talk about the women, maybe spending a little bit more time on the men, you've mentioned, I think, the, the favorites. My prediction or my I don't know I guess hot take is that there's there's a group of five from which the winner will yeah. emerge those being Jim Tom Hannes Petter and Matthew Blanchard who's flying under the radar oh, yeah. somehow yeah after he was the other one I was thinking hours. about yeah. Don't <laughs> so I, I view them as as the people who really have a legitimate chance of of winning obviously you know there's a thousand other very talented men who will be competing I think for the second through 10th and 20th type positions. Mm -hmm. But Tom Evans sat on that couch yesterday and Ryan and I, after he left, were like, oh my God, that guy is scary. Just like <laughs> how methodical and detail-oriented and professional he is. Yeah. And his ability to like articulate his process too. He's very gifted in that department too. So uh, anyway, after Tom left yesterday, we were like, that guy's going to win. Holy smokes. <laughs> One of the things he said off mic that I think is worth mentioning here, it wasn't like a private conversation. I don't think he would mind me <laughs> saying this. His cell phone but what number he is. <laughs> what he said was like, yeah, I just think like when Jim is thinking about how am I going to beat Tom Evans, I try and reverse engineer what Jim's thinking and then shrink that surface area so that, you know, whatever he perceives as my weaknesses are not my weaknesses. And I was just like, God, Whoa. dude, I would not want to race you. He's <laughs> a scary guy. He's your teammate. You want to say anything about Tom? Yeah, Tom is a professional for sure, like the truest definition of that. And Tom would not have showed up if he didn't think he was going to win a hundred percent. Like he is so much of a professional that it's like he's only going to put his body through this again if he has a very strong feeling he's going to win. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, what you guys like see on the media and stuff, he, he's like that in person. He's also additionally very pleasant to mm -hmm. be around, always sharing with us uh, anything we want to learn and, and gain from him. Um, they were cheering me yesterday, both him and Patter. Yeah, he, yeah, he's awesome. He's there for the team and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's definitely here to win. He'll do everything in his power that he, he can on race day, push himself, et cetera. And I mean, 
last year the dude was coming off of almost a year being absent from the sport mm-hmm. and got onto the podium. And that 100% is because of everything that he's constantly thinking about. Yep. And he gave himself that chance to do that yep. uh, through the race, through preparation, et cetera. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> there's a, a new YouTube video. We did a screening of it for Terex this week mm-hmm. in a theater. It was really cool. You got to see on the art, the big screen. It featured uh, Petter, Emily Hoggood, uh, Abby Hall, and Tom Evans. And uh, there's a very chilling quote in it where he says something like, don't tell me what's impossible uh, because I'll make it possible. Something like that. And you're just like, oh, (laughs) (laughs) but it was like also inspiring. I was like, I'm going to run through a brick wall right now. It was Um, crazy. Like hearing him talking about just like every little detail. He's like knows exactly because the race is a week later, how that's going to impact the amount of light that they have or when it'll get dark, when it'll get light, where he may be on the course at that time. He was talking about his final massive training round, how he did like a full aid station simulation to just like know how it's going to go when he changes his shirt and like how every detail of his pack is like totally thought out. I was just like, my goodness, dude, like this sport is on a whole different level and people like Tom are really taking us there. It's really yeah. cool. My husband, Tommy is like a big Tom Evans fan and like, cause Tom's on Strava, which is really yep. cool. And, uh, yeah, Tommy definitely bought us a, uh, lactate threshold monitor after he saw, he was like, Tom Evans does it on his treadmill. We have the same treadmill. We just need the lactate <laughs> monitor. I was like, okay, Tommy, we'll do it. Yeah. 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 It, it'll, it'll definitely be, I'm, I'm so excited. I mean, you know, going back to Jim, our, yeah. our American yeah. Jim Walmsley, like he has a lot of that too. He, yeah. oh, he doesn't, yeah. he doesn't talk about it as much, but you know, that's what's going on behind the scenes. And for him to like, he is not lining up unless he has, he knows he can win or has a very strong chance of winning. And, um, I just like appreciate his, uh, intentionality behind picking races and stuff like that. We saw it with Western States. The dude crushed it. He could have stopped there and he's like, no, I can go faster. Goes back the next year, drops it even more. Uh, Watching him do the Carbon X2 project a couple years ago and literally seeing him push himself through so much pain, I was like, that is why he's one of, undeniably one of the best in the world. So I'm excited to see them match up. I I also think it'd be fun for us to talk about the style in which Jim's approaching it this year. And one of the things (laughs) that I talked about at the beginning of the week is that, you know, he's been dark on Strava. He dropped, he didn't start the world championships due to injury. So a lot of people in, in our world were speculating he's hurt, right? And then yeah. he drops on Instagram, I'm ready. And of course, like Tom, Jim would not say that if it wasn't true. He hasn't done any media all week. He's intentionally kept his head down. He's probably hoping people are talking about him less and letting people like sort of Tom occupy the conversation. Yeah. Jim Walmsley, fourth place and fifth place here. He's devoted his entire life moving out here to this race, and this is his best shot yet. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, uh, it's super exciting. I, I really like Tom as an athlete, but my heart is for sure for, for Jim. <laughs> Us I'm too, sorry. Yeah. American, a resident Italian-American. Yes. Here, yeah. Sorry, Tom, but uh, yeah, it's my... <laughs> Yeah, all-time inspiration. Um, yeah, and for Sorry. yeah, also for personal reasons, because one of the best performances that I ever did was a fight uh, between me and Jim in Patagonia at the 2019 World Trail Champs. And uh, I remember he was thanking me for 
pushing him to his absolute limits, just like he did on that day. And uh, I think we shared a lot on that day, and it was cool. Uh, so, yeah, I think this um, kind of unusual path or build up towards this UTMB will ultimately benefit him. Um, of course, it's wide open, and uh, we, yeah. we're going to yeah. find out tomorrow. But... Uh, I'm excited. Yeah, yeah, we we have to start wrapping up here because our cameras are going to die, and <laughs> oh. I want to leave some time to talk about the women and, yeah. and provide a couple more updates. We could talk forever about yeah. the yeah. men's race. Yeah. Just a, a few sort of closing yeah. points on the men. Number one, I think Tyler Green's going to do really yes. really well. I think he's in a great position, and another one of those athletes who really flies under the radar. And another person who we were all really impressed with this week, and who's been. You know, I think maybe lesser uh, known in the, especially uh, the American trail running culture, but Hannes Namberger, I think, has a really yeah. good chance of, you know, winning or being on the podium, especially after a disappointing DNF last year. Yeah. He's been as consistent, really, as anybody uh, on the world stage at these ultra distances. So, anyway, like I said, we could go on forever. And Women's Petter. race. I think Petter will be a monkey wrench in everyone. Yeah. They're like, yeah. no one knows what to expect, and he's very uh, aggressive. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, we were talking about this too, and I, I kind of am predicting that it's going to be a little bit more of a cat and mouse game in the men's race. Like, I don't know if we're going to see, well, Pal Capel's going for sub 20, so he's going to be yes, hot off the front. <laughs> but I kind of think like of that group of five who I think have a chance of winning, I think it's going to be a little bit more tactical this year, huh. just because of the absence of some of the other guys. Yeah. You know? yeah. Anyway. The women's so race fun. though. Get us started. Such Get a started. bummer about Ruth Croft. Oh, I wow. really thought yeah. she was like the one person that I was like for sure she's going to give Courtney a run for her yeah. money. Ruth doesn't show up to races unless, uh, same thing, unless she's ready to like go for it. She hasn't raced pretty much all year. She's run a couple of like smaller races, but like she has put all of her eggs in this basket and I'm so bummed. <laughs> so bummed. to race very well. Yeah. yeah. But we do have some other women, I think in Blondine. I mean, this is like not... This is pretty new for her, but she pretty much like always knocks it out of the park. I mean, she's so tough. It hasn't I, been the easiest year for her. Yeah, uh, she's dropping out at Worlds. Injuries and yeah, first hundred miler too. Yep. Yeah, mm -hmm. I think Esther Sislig. Oh yeah, had a great day at Western States. I think Love she's ready Esther. to have a great day here. Um, and she was fourth last year. Yeah, yeah, and she did really well at. Um, at Worlds in Thailand. She didn't go to Worlds. Oh, because she was doing was States. fifth at Worlds last year. Yeah. yeah. And then the other person that um, I have my eye on, at least, is, is my teammate, Arelicio. Yeah. She was eighth, eighth last year, and she's just like a silent killer, man. Like, she told me yesterday, she's like, man, I don't know how you do the short stuff because you have to go out so hard. She's yeah. like, I love to relax in the beginning. The race doesn't start until Cormier. Yeah. And I was like, Arelicio's ready. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Taylor UTMB Nallen suits too. athletes with that kind of disposition. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Taylor Nallen, too. Yep. Another yeah. one, top 10 at Western States. But, yeah, I think the storyline, uh, undisputably so, is still Courtney DeWalter. Yeah. If Is she going to go out? Like, how's the body going to do? Um, if she wins, it still won't be surprising. Mm -hmm. <laughs> She's Courtney DeWalter. But it'd be nice to see some of the women, like, you know, going and challenging with her, you know, yep. seeing some tactics and stuff like that. And, yeah, I think the big question, as soon as she signed up, that came to my mind was, does she think she can break her own course record? Yeah. 
is she solely going for the if win? She broke all she three. Go- that would be in the iconic. Same summer, it'd be ridiculous. I'd be like, just you're good. You're good. I mean, her tw- <laughs> her twenty two thirty, I think, is one of the greatest performances yeah. in yeah, history. Sure. I was here in twenty thirteen and witnessed Rory Bozio break the course record that year, and it took everything Courtney had to to come back and break Rory Bozio's record. So, of course, she ran fifteen twenty nine at Western States, oh shattering Ellie Greenwood's course record. Then lowered her own hard rock course record by thirty minutes in July. If she was able to do all three course records in the same summer, I mean, it would. If she wins, it'll already be one of yeah. the greatest sporting yeah. achievements in history. I think across any sport. If she broke the course record at the same time, it's like like she's already the I goat. Quit. But then I she's quit. like, yeah, she's stamped yeah. in history. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, there's nothing more to say about Courtney. She's just so amazing, and she's also such a good person. And I think those two things are not unrelated. You know, she clearly loves what she does, and it's made her, I think, you know, undisputably the greatest of all time. Some other people who I'm looking at uh, who I'd maybe uh, open up the floor to you guys to maybe expand on. Elsa McDonald, really great Canadian. Yeah, she was on yeah. the podium of Western States last year and then intentionally didn't come back this year in order just to focus on UTMB. Always flies under the radar. Lee Yingling on the subject of consistency. Yeah. Always strong, always strong. And a great Italian runner, Martina Valmasoy. Yeah. I think she's got a good chance. She had a great race at Worlds too. Yeah. Yeah, she's uh, made for these type of efforts, I think. Um, TDS champ, too. Yeah. yeah, TDS champ last year, fourth at Worlds this year. Uh, very excited for Martina, and uh, yeah, I think she's going to do well. Mm-hmm. Also Priscilla Forgi, somebody I forgot about. She's in CCC, right? Isn't she? Oh, yeah, is she's she in, in the CCC? CCC? Yeah. Well, I'm excited about, for her about CCC. <laughs> I meant, forgot to mention her earlier. Yeah. Just remembered. Yeah, yeah she, she's really burst onto the scene. Priscilla's yeah. in 10th. Cool. cool. All right, so let's do quick updates, and then we can yeah, wrap for the women. Up. Cool, so let's do the women first over the top of that first climb. Again, we went through the top 10 men. So doing the top 10 women here, and then we'll recap the top 10 men through the Refuge Bertone, and then we can wrap up here. So top 10 women. This is... 10Ks into today's CCC. Emily Forsberg, the all-time great, leading the women's race, followed by fellow Scandinavian Ingvild Kasperson, then Huha Tai in third, Ida Nilsson in fourth. So we've got four Scandinavians in the top, (laughs) or sorry, three (laughs) Scandinavians in the top four. Then we've got Emily Hawgood, Hannah Hannah Allgood, (laughs) Helen Mino Faulkner, Addie Bracey, Audrey Tangay, Priscilla Forgey. Those are our top 10. Not there. surprised by So those. cool, yeah. yeah. Yingil really just awesome. ran like a 238 low marathon too, like a month wow. ago. Wow. She's got some leg speed. So we've got the at least the top eight men now through, oh no, yeah, the top eight men are through the Bertone here. So let's just do that real quick. So now we have Shen Shen taking the lead from early leader Seth Ruling. Again, they're all very close together, if not together through the Bertone here. So Shen Jishin is our leader now, followed by fellow Chinese athlete Hu Ho Zhang. Third place, Luke Grenfell-Shaw from Great Britain. Seth Ruling running in fourth. Andreas Reiter in fifth. Thibaut Baronian in sixth. Dakota Jones in seventh. And Simon Goslin in eighth. So it's going to be a fun day. Simon yeah. Goslin is the coach of Team Cedars Matrix, and he also coaches Remy Bonnet, so... Oh, wow. He's not only a great athlete, but a very great good coach. coach. Wow, cool. Thanks for that insight. Any closing remarks from our panel here today? Maybe you're going out to crew, Helen. Yes. So maybe tell us what, what you guys have planned for the next 
24 plus hours of <laughs> yeah. ultra marathon spectating. <laughs> ultra marathon spectating. Yeah. Pretty much. yeah, we're cheering. We're going to Triant, catching some of the CC folks uh, coming back in. And yeah, pretty much just ongoing uh, cheering. If anyone sees us, me or MK out there, please say hi, especially if you like, you're liking the Subhub that kept my spirits alive while I was yeah. walking it Subscribe in. Subscribe to the Subhub Subscribe podcast. to the Subhub, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we'll take our mini mics out. Yep. <laughs> uh, for me, uh, I got a few Nike meetings. Um, a, some of the global running managers are coming over to Chamonix, so it's a good chance to show them around. And, you know, Nike has, hasn't really gone big on trail running, but things are changing, and I'm super excited about it because if a company like Nike moves, it means that we're achieving a big status. Yes. Um, in the panorama of of different sports, so I got a few Nike meetings, and then do your best, Francesco, on behalf yeah. of the entire sport <laughs> to really seduce and uh, romance the head marketing yeah. executives hopefully, from Nike to make Nike sure that they are invested in trail at least running, establish a, a proper team, which is my biggest hope, actually. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, I'm going to say hi and good luck to a few friends, inc including my buddies from Bertrand, that is also the official yep. official training partner. Moises is running tonight. Yep. Yeah, Moises is running UTMB. And then I'll be out there on the course for as long as I can stay awake and yeah. cheer all the runners. It's truly the best week, the best weekend <laughs> of the year. And this is sort of the crescendo of everything. Well, thank you guys so much for coming on the thank show. You. Before we wrap things up, just to our viewing audience, make sure you go get your fantasy picks in. The final race, UTMB, the picks are still open, so make sure you go pick 10 deep there. We've got great prize packages on offer for the top three predictors, a head-to-toe kit from Hoka, and a Zephyr trail running pack from Camelback, fantasy.freetrail.com. Make sure you go get your picks in now because they will close right at 6 p.m. when UTMB starts. Uh, of course, a big thank you to our sponsors, Hoka and Camelback, for making our coverage possible throughout race week. We've got some Bondi's and Stinson's be behind <laughs> our, our panel here. And uh, yeah, like I said, you can have a chance to win a lot of great Hoka products if you do play fantasy tonight. And we had such a good time at the Hoka party last night. Best party. <laughs> I've been coming to UTMB for 10 years. That was the best party at UTMB yeah, that I've ever been to. <laughs> big thanks to Camelback too. They make great products. They invented the whole hydration pack thing and they're doing a lot to invest in our sport too. And we had a fun time at their event with their panel and their open bar last night too so <laughs> thanks to Camelback and Hoka for their support we'll be back tomorrow for like an instant reaction when the men's and women's champions come back here into town in Chamonix for UTMB we'll do like a, a live reaction show uh, from both CCC and UTMB we appreciate everybody for following along all week for MK Sullivan Danny Moreno Francesco Pupi I'm Dylan Bowman we'll see you tomorrow thank Bye. you bye, bye.